Um, today's scripture comes from the book of Mark, verses 1 through 12, or 12 through 15. If you're using one of the Pew Bibles, this is on page 836. Verse 12, the spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness 40 days, being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild animals, and the angels were ministering to him. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God, and saying, the time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. This is the word of the Lord. We are in part two. We just started a new series called Lord and King. And we're going to be looking at the person and the work, the redemptive work of Jesus as the Messiah in the Gospel of Mark. Last week I gave you this really big message for those of you who are here. If you missed it, you might want to hear that message and it was about how Jesus is really the Son of God. And as a Son of God, He brings to essentially restore humanity into the image of God. And that means that in the doctrine of the Trinity, there are three persons in this beautiful unity, this beautiful unity that has this movement, which, uh, which Tim Keller, quoting C.S. Lewis, called the dance of reality which is that there's this movement where you give to the other and the person fully gives themselves back to you. And, and, uh, and that movement is divine everlasting love. That's what we talked about last week. Today we want to talk about this, this, uh, this strange passage, um, which maybe may, most of you are familiar with more in, in, in the other books of the Bible where Jesus goes into the wilderness and faces the devil. And mostly when people hear this message, they're hearing it from the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 4 or Luke chapter 4. And maybe some of you may have heard of the, the specifics of the temptations. Um, and usually when people hear this, that's immediately what they think about. But as I was thinking about this passage and, and chewing on this passage, I realized that if I just talk about, you know, that encounter with the temptations of the devil, I would really, I'm not really properly preaching Mark chapter 1. I'd actually just sort of be channeling Mark, Matthew 4 or Luke 4 through this passage, and I'm not being faithful to what the, the passage here is saying. It seems like a condensed and simpler thing, but I don't think that's true. Actually, what it's talking about is something very important in the Bible, which is that God's people, that years ago God's people were called out of Egypt, out of enslavement. And then they were promised a new land, a new kingdom. And before they could go to that land, they had to go through a wilderness. And this is Jesus. Jesus is going into the wilderness with us and for us. So he could be the one that could ultimately take us to a new kingdom, to a new promised land. That's what this passage is, is talking about. And um, let's get into it today in three parts, as I usually do. Um, the world, part one. The world as a dangerous wilderness. That's what I think this, this, this first couple of verses is talking about. It's really talking about the world as a dangerous wilderness. Part two. The search for meaning and beauty. Because we can't just accept the wilderness. <laughs> it's really what we're, we're human beings. 
remain the image of God and we can't quite accept that this is our home, we, we know that we don't really quite belong in the wilderness. And so as we live in this wilderness called the world, um, we're actually having the search for meaning and beauty, but there's so many different ways that we're failing here. And in part three, I want to, call, I want to, I want to close with um, by my message by talking about the kingdom that cannot be shaken. The kingdom that cannot be shaken, which defeats the devil and the wilderness, okay? The kingdom which cannot be shaken. So let's get into it. Part one, Jesus goes into the wilderness. <laughs> he, he faces the devil. And then it says the strange thing yeah, that he's with the wild animals and then the, the, the angels were ministering to him. And then what is this talking about here? Um, if you, if you, you know, I, it seems like it's a nice little metaphor, you know, pastor, that's a, that's a kind of a nice, interesting metaphor. The world is a, is a dangerous wilderness. <laughs> and we're living in this wilderness, and we have to deal with, we have to deal with this thing, and I, I, you're going to tell us that, you know, we have to, like, deal with the devil. Of course I'm just going to tell you. But there's more. This isn't some cute metaphor that I made up, <laughs> okay? This is, this is the way the Bible presents reality. Um, in history, God chose a very special people, they were the descendants of Abraham. And these are the ones who say, you're the people that I will marry unto myself and I will be among you. And through you, I'll heal the whole world. But they came out of the most advanced civilization up to that point, and that was Egypt. And they were enslaved and they were oppressing that. And then God pulled them out. And then he promised that they would be able to have a special land for themselves as the way the Bible put it, a land flowing with milk and honey. But in order to get there, they had to go through this wilderness. <laughs> and you think, okay, well, that's a nice piece of history, but that's not just the way the Bible presents it. So let me take you to a passage. This is Hebrews chapter 3. And this is how it, it said in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, so this is a, this is a, a book that's originally written to Hebrew Christians. So um, you know, ethnically they're Hebrew. They fully understand, you know, their, their history and, they, and, and their history about Moses and so forth. But it's saying today, if you hear his voice, that is the Lord's voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing, when? In the wilderness. Where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. As I swore my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. That's what the passage says. And what is it saying? This, this passage is saying, you today, you, you, I'm giving you a warning that there was a, there was a set of, of people that were God's people. They were redeemed out of enslavement. And they were promised a new kingdom a new promised land. And then when they went through the wilderness, what did they do? Instead, this is what they did. They rebelled against me. And how did they rebel? Here's what they, here's what they did. Every day, God will say, I'm going to take you there. Didn't you see all the miraculous? You saw the, the, the Red Sea part. Didn't you see all the, the plagues? I redeemed you from that place. And then every single day when you were afraid that in this wilderness you would starve or you would die, Literally, you would wake up in the morning and the food would be on the ground. It was called manna. <laughs> and where you were supposed to go, uh, a cloud would guide you. 
and at night a fire, you know, a pillar of fire would protect you. This is what they saw every, they literally saw miraculous provision and protection from God. They're like, we didn't have to hunt, we didn't have to like farm. Literally, the, the, the food would just be there. But you know what they kept saying? This is the part they kept saying, wouldn't it be better if we just went back to Egypt? We went back to the, the world that we knew. I mean, you know, it, we were slaves, but we had the food that we had, and we, we could live in this world. And what they did was they said, let, let, let it be here. And for that, God said, don't be like that in the wilderness. Now, I want to say something about this. Um, so what is the Bible itself story that the life that we live here in order for us to get to a new kingdom? A, a promised land that it's going to have to be that we're going to have to go through a wilderness. Now, this is also, if you think I'm also making this up, there's a very important, who is the person that took them through the wilderness in the Old Testament? That person, most of you know, is Moses. <laughs> Great leader. Indeed, probably the greatest leader of the Old Testament. <laughs> and, and probably in the Bible, the greatest leader there is, apart from probably Jesus. I mean, you could argue maybe David, maybe Paul. But I think there's a good case to be made the greatest leader is Moses. God gave him his word. God literally walked with him like a friend. He literally clothed when he came off the mountain. And he gave, you know, the, the, the commands of God. And he formed them into it. This, this ragtag set of slaves. He formed them into a people. And yet, he could not take them to the promised land. For those of you who may not, you know who, who did, who was the one who crossed over to the river and took them over to the promised land in the Bible? It was the next leader, and his name is Joshua. <laughs> now, do you, know, um, do you know what the name of Jesus is? <laughs> it sounds like a different name, doesn't it? Jesus. In Greek, Jesus is Jesus. But Jesus is Greek for an Aramaic name named Yeshua. <laughs> That's Hebrew for Joshua. <laughs> Who is the one that will take us to? This is, that's what this passage is talking about. He goes into the wilderness. And then he comes, he faces down the devil and the wild animals. And then he comes out and then says, the kingdom is near. And I give you the good news. Receive this good news from God and enter into the kingdom. I'm that, I am Joshua. I am Yeshua. I am the new and better leader, even greater than Moses. In fact, even greater, the truer Joshua there ever was. That's what this passage is talking about. Let me ask you, you know, when you think about this world, um, do you see yourself, you know, like this is Silicon Valley, the weather, you know, like we have a sister who's, you know, who's got like break time from college and she's saying, oh, it's, the weather is so much nicer here because <laughs> it is, right, from the East Coast. And, um, and it's so nice and comfortable here, but like don't be fooled. Huh. Don't be fooled. This is, this is a wilderness. And um, you're like, it is? I, I, I've, you know, last I checked, you know, I haven't been to the zoo. I don't see any wild animals. <laughs> um, but if you live in the city, maybe you have encountered the devil <laughs> and his lies. And there are lots of wild animals. <laughs> and what, who, 
You know, um, you guys know what I'm talking about. The wilderness is the place where you may run out of food or there could be a famine and you could starve. Or the animals will come out. Wolves or bears will come out and devour you and devour you, devour us and kill us. It's a place of fear where fear and scarcity and nervousness, it just, it, it, it's the constant of the wilderness. Except now, you know, because we live in a city, <laughs> that we don't think we're in a wilderness. But actually, you guys growing up, you ever guys, you know, watching, growing up, uh, watching those uh, documentaries and, you know, the most famous ones lately, like Planet Earth. I heard there's a Planet Earth 2. You know, I grew up watching in school, they had these documentaries, but did they ever, any one of those documentaries ever say this thing to you? Oh, and the most dangerous animal of all is, what do they say? Is it the lion? Heck no. The most dangerous animal of all is man. Okay, not, okay we're a little more politically correct today, is human beings, <laughs> all right? That's true, all right? I, I, I share with you this message last week that God made us to be in the image of God. And, and, and ancient people used to think, what does it mean that we're in the image of God? That means we have to have something that the animals don't have, something greater. And then the ancient Greeks thought it's because we have rationality and intelligence. It's not a bad answer. But what I shared with you last week was that Jesus came because he's the son of God. And in God is, you know, I was quoting Tim Keller, how did, how he, he, and he's quoting C.S. Lewis. He put it this way, that in God is three persons, and then there's a movement of overture and acceptance if you give your whole self to a person. And then you, it's an overture of giving yourself and then of acceptance. And that movement has been going on. There's never a time that movement hasn't been on. That's what the Holy Trinity is doing. That movement is love. <laughs> And if people won't live like that, we're supposed to be like that. That's what makes us so beautiful and so special. Truly human in God's image. But if we won't have this overture, this movement of acceptance, of love, you know all that we're left with? Well, I better get my own. And, you know, I'm worried and fearful for that person. And, and then all we are are just very, very clever, the most dangerous animals of all. And isn't that what, what life is like? <laughs> the city where, the, where there's a great congregation of all the most dangerous animals on this planet. And when you walk into the city and you live your, your life, isn't that primarily what we're dealing with? <laughs> we're dealing with, can I trust you? <laughs> Fear. Do you notice we all lock ourselves? <laughs> Do you lock your car? You, you, you better. <laughs> Do you lock your doors at home? You better. I mean, maybe if you live out in the countryside and everybody's really, really nice in your small town, you don't have to lock your doors. I hear it. It astounded me when I met, I met, met my friends in college from the Midwest, and they were telling me, man, everybody locks everything around here. And he goes, like, at home, nobody locks anything. And I was sitting there going, like, what, what the heck are you? It's like, are you, do you live in America? <laughs> I was like, you better lock everything around here. Why? Because there are dangerous animals who break in and steal and murder and rape and kill. And then even if we love each other, you get into relationships and you love with each other, and then you try to do this movement, this overture, this movement, and then what happens? Actually, they're more dangerous animal selves 
come out. They can't have real and pure love, and then the thing breaks down. And all around, if we're living in this place, there's the devil. <laughs> See, do you notice there's, there's animals and the devil? Except for the angels coming to help Jesus, he's here to face the world with this. That's the world. <laughs> and Jesus came to be in it with us and then for us so he can take us something better. Let's go to part two. The search for meaning and beauty. You know, um, we're, we're the only animal on this planet that doesn't accept our environment. <laughs> you ever notice that? <laughs> you ever notice, you know, like lions trying to get on a ship and then move to the desert? <laughs> like, no, I just don't like it. It's like, we live here. Like, no, I'd rather live in Hawaii because it's paradise over there. But then, you know, I, I, I thought about when I got to Hawaii, I was like, oh, it's so awesome here. I think I want to live here. They're like, no. It's an island. <laughs> After living here for about two, five or six months, it would drive me completely nuts. And then, so we, we can't accept the environment because we can't accept the wilderness. We all have a longing that there must be some greater land, some other greater kingdom that's like better than, than this. <laughs> We're constantly like, like afraid of the claws and the teeth of the other animals of this wilderness. Um, you know, this isn't just some Christian little, you know, idea. The whole world is after this. Um, any of you guys watch the Olympics? Any of you guys, who's here? Who's, okay, okay. Oh, just, just a few of you. Young people, you don't watch Olympics. All right, um, my, my family likes the Olympics, and my mom, my, my mom, my mom's funny. She even texted me and says, are you going to record the opening ceremony? My mom doesn't even like sports. <laughs> but she loves the opening ceremony and the, the Olympics, you know, for those of you guys who are, you know, like completely oblivious and not paying attention to the, to the world, you know, there's this thing called the Olympics. It's happening in Korea this year <laughs> in Pyeongchang, you know, the, 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 the Winter Olympics. And um, so on Friday, my family, we watched it. And uh, if, for those of you who missed it, it was, it was a beautiful opening ceremony. I mean, just celebrating all this incredible stuff of Korea and a little more Eastern culture. It was kind of like the part I thought was funny is you had like these Anglo white Americans trying to explain Eastern and Korean culture. I was going to like, yeah, okay, just, just turn that part off. Let's just watch, okay? <laughs> That's kind of how I felt, but it was gorgeous. It was a gorgeous ceremony, incredible music and visuals. And then they had the parade of nations. All the nations and all the athletes come in. You know, there were, there were literally number of nations where they had one athlete. <laughs> like one athlete. I was like, one athlete coming to compete. And it was, it was beautiful. Like their nation is represented. And they had this thing. And then after it was over, they had this incredible ceremony where the torch came in, you know, and all the, like, the greatest athletes in Korea and so forth. And they had this incredible moment where the two, these two female hockey players, one from the North Korea, because I don't know if you guys know that they're fielding one team, right? And, and then the, the torch was lit. And then they had this incredible musical crescendo to the, the, the culmination. And what happened was these four pop singers from Korea, and some were older, and I, I don't have, you know, I guess they're really famous in Korea. I, I don't know them, right? But they were, some were even older. You can tell they must have been really like, like superstars from a different generation. And they all came out and they sang this one song to celebrate this incredible moment. Do you know which song they sang? Here's the words of the songs that they sang. It's a really famous, it wasn't a Korean song. 
They all sang in English. And it was one of the most famous American songs that, that like, pretty much the whole world knows. And here's what they sang. Imagine there's no heaven. It's easy if you try. I won't try to sing it, okay? <laughs> no hell below us, above us only sky. Imagine all the people living for today. Imagine there's no countries. It isn't hard to do. Nothing to kill or die for and no religion too. You may say I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. I hope someday you'll join us and the world will be as one. That's what they say. You see that? That the world will be as one. We won't be as animals biting and killing each other. And the world will be as one. There'll be this movement, an overture of accept, you know, movement of offering and acceptance of love. That's what it's saying. But, you know, if you know the song, it's, a, it's, it's written, um, it's, it's a famous song, incredibly famous song, hauntingly beautiful music, Imagine, by one of the great 20th century poets, John Lennon. <laughs> but what is he saying? He's saying, we will build this kingdom. We're in this wilderness. But if you can just imagine, and you know, we fight over things like religion and all these things, but let's just, no heaven, no hell, and if we just imagine this, we can build a better kingdom here. You know, it's another way of saying, let's just try to build our best Egypt that's really what he's saying you know it doesn't it is it's a beautiful piece of music but it's it's an incredible piece of rebellion against God and quite frankly it's um it's delusional <laughs> every nation every empire every people have tried this project and then they and then we try it again in in the Bible in the Bible, there's a story in Genesis where all the people gather together and they're going to build this great tower up to God. <laughs> and then they're going to say, we don't need God. We, we can build this great temple and this world. And it's, and it's the story of the Tower of Babel. That's what it is. And we're going to build a really great city. And later on, that scene is that spirit, the Tower of Babel, is exemplified in the city called Babylon. It is the vision of the kingdom of the wilderness. But do you notice? There can be no God. There can be no kingdom of God. It is the kingdom that's only in the wilderness. It's like trapping yourself. It's the cage of the wilderness. And we only have each other. The animals and the lies of the devil. This is the ultimate lie of the devil. And most of us, you know, most of you are like, well, I don't have grand dreams. The world will be, I mean, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not as much of a poet as John. And I don't even believe that stuff. You're saying, I don't believe that stuff. But you know, all of us, maybe you're sitting there. If you think you can have kingdom, a real kingdom that could fill and unleash your heart, and you think you can do it without God, the imagine spirit of the song, imagine, then you're just locking yourself into the wilderness, and all we have is, this is it. You just have us, the best that the wild animals have, and 
and the lies of the devil. That's all we got. And the tricks of the devil. And the devil's very good. Good enough to like convince the, 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 the makers of the opening ceremonies of the Olympics all before the whole world. But even in, in our own lives, maybe, okay, okay, I'm not into that because it was a religious song. You know, that was a very religious and spiritual moment. And when I watched that, it just it's completely blew my mind. <laughs> but all, every day, that's probably the song that many of us sing. You know, we, we think that there isn't a God and there's no king and there's a kingdom who can bring something more. Instead, we just got to build my own kingdom in this world and try to make this world less of a wilderness. <laughs> Except, you know, we're going to, instead of having Jesus as king, it's not the better Yeshua, not the true Joshua, Jesus. The king has to be me. <laughs> Before, the king was Pharaoh or the spirit of like trying to make the world into one place. But now maybe in my own, in little kingdom, you know what, I'm just going to just try to make my own little kingdom. Maybe my family or my career or my life. And you know, you're just, that's just another way of locking yourself into the wilderness and the lies of the devil and the danger of the wilderness. And that's where we're going to die. This is a real cheerful message, Pastor. <laughs> Let me tell you the good part. Um, Jesus went into the wilderness with us and for us. And then he came out and he proclaimed a kingdom. You know, the reason it's such a wilderness is even the things that we try to build, they all shake and they all break apart. <laughs> you know, the, the, even the loves that we have for one another, you know, you, we, we go forward and they, we, go, we go forward for them and then they, they break up. <laughs> um, which is why our, our society is rampant with divorce. Or like people who even like, they, they've given up on marriage because they've, con they've, con they've gone through several rounds. I fell in love with her. I fell in love with him. And it didn't work out. And then, like, my heart just got completely ripped out. <laughs> um, about a week ago, you know, my wife and I, we, we attended, uh, you know, a, 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 an intimate birthday celebration uh, of an old friend. I won't say who that friend is, but... Um, this is a dear, dear friend to me, and we've been friends um, since I was 14 years old, <laughs> right? And it was, a, it was a beautiful birthday gathering, and afterwards, um, he sent me and my wife this really meaningful email saying, thank you so much for coming to that. But isn't it really great that, you know, we've been friends for decades, that's the way you put it, we've been friends for decades, but we still got 10,000 more years to go. That's the way he put it. Because he's a Christian. He knows what it's about. He knows he's not trapped in the wilderness. And as I was reading that, that email, I was thinking about, man, he's right. You know, most people would look at our friendship, and we've, we've been friends for decades. And we're like, wow, you're such good friends. <laughs> and, but, you know, when you, when you put it that way, 10,000 years more of friendship. And I just started thinking about friendship. And I was thinking, like, how come most friendships can't even make it to 10 years or 20 or 30 plus? Now this is like a 30 plus year friendship. How come they can't do that? 
I've had friendships that are that were decades long, and then they ended. It's hard. There are marriages that are decades long, and then they end. There are nations that are centuries long, or empires that are centuries long, and then they end. They all can be shaken, and they all break down. Why? Because you know this movement that we're for? The, the dance of reality, as Tim Keller puts it. Well, we're supposed to be in the image of God. You give yourself, to, there's an overture of where you give yourself to a person, and then that person gives themselves back to you, and this, accept this movement, this movement called love, because if there's sin, if we can't do it in God, with God, and instead we're filled with the lies of the devil, with idolatry, you know what? If there's even just a little bit of sin, guess what? Tendency, love will break, this movement will break down and die. And it all will shake and break down. That's what happens. And so if we're just going to stay in the wilderness and put our hope in whatever we can do, just keep the wilderness out, it'll all just shake and break down and die. But the only way that a friendship, I mean, like most of us are like, wow, that's really great. You can have a friendship for more than 30 years. But how can you possibly have a friendship that can last 10,000 years unless the love is pure? and holy. See? Isn't that? You think holiness, oh, that sounds like a religious word. But if it weren't for that, it's like we need to die because like I just can't stand this anymore. I'm so filled with despair and all the relationships break down and it's like we almost need to die. It's like we'd rather just might as well just go. It's like like because life is hell. All there is is wilderness and all hell is is wilderness forever. But a better Joshua has come. <laughs> and he has proclaimed a kingdom. I will take you to that promised kingdom. <laughs> and it's, it's breaking in now. And I want to close, I want to close with a word from, again, from the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 12. This is how it says, but now he has promised, that's the new Joshua, the, the true Yeshua, he has promised, yet once more, I will not only shake the earth, but also the heavens. <laughs> and then, and then the, the writer of Hebrews makes this commentary. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken. That is, things that have been made in order that the things that cannot be shaken can remain. <laughs> Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. The Son of God came. He came to be one of us so that he could face the wilderness with us, for us. He could break in his promised land, his promised kingdom. And in his promised kingdom will be this incredible overture of divine love. And he will walk in and says, most of you only know how to claw each other and bite each other. Because you're always walking in fear in this wilderness. But I will offer you what my Father and the Holy Spirit, what we've always had, what you were always meant to have, 
That's the kingdom breaking in. And he came, and he offered it to us. And then, of course, what did we do? We acted like the wild animals we are, and we killed him. That's what we did, because that's what we do. You know, that's what we're like. Someone actually offers you love, and what do we do? We claw them. That's why marriages break and nations die. And so we clawed him unto the cross. But his love and his life was so powerful, it could conquer even that and bring in his whole kingdom. It could forgive us and wash us and bring us a whole new life and a whole new kingdom, which we've been longing for our whole life. So, brothers and sisters, are you tired? You know, when I was a, when I was a, a, a you know, a, a, a young teenager, I first accepted Jesus to be my savior, because, you know, I was a kind of super rational kid. <laughs> um, of course, I wanted to be rich and I wanted to be successful and all this stuff, but um, I was afraid of hell, because I said, "So what if you're rich? <laughs> so what if you're successful?" If you, even if you live till 100, which most people don't get to do, then you'll just die and everything will be gone. <laughs> Only if you have Jesus. So then that's when I first accepted him. But then when I grew a little bit older, and then tore my, I started getting really cynical, and I, and I wanted to run away from Jesus. You know what brought me back? You know, I wasn't interested in all the grand kingdoms of the world. I was just interested in my kingdom. <laughs> and I tried to run my kingdom or I was the king. Some of you ladies are like the queen. You're like, I'm better than a king. I'm the queen. Okay, fine, all right? <laughs> but, but you know what I found out? That when I'm my own king in my own kingdom, it's a pretty bad kingdom. And we need a new king. I needed a new king. I need his kingdom. And I realized I'm just still in the wilderness. And that's when I came back to Jesus. And I hope that that's where you will be too. You'll finally stop giving up. Stop trying to make everything. You're just trying to make the wilderness a nicer place. <laughs> Instead, receive your king and submit to your king. Let his real kingdom of promise come breaking into the wilderness of our life. Let's pray. Father, thank you that we were supposed to be glorious sons and daughters of God, radiating with the overture and acceptance of your divine love. Instead, we're constantly, we allow the devil to influence us. And instead, we're like, okay, I'm going to just get along in this world, which is just another way of trapping ourselves and just trying to make the wilderness a more comfortable place. And anybody who refuses our comforts and our own little, we claw them and bite them. We clawed you and we bit you. And we said, I'd rather try to make my Egypt better. And we shake our fists at you when you refuse to cooperate with us to make our lives more like Egypt in this wilderness. And we thank you for that refusal. We thank you that you refuse to let us settle for the Egypt of the wilderness. 
And instead, you say, I offer you my kingdom, something better. We thank you, Lord, that we can have decades-long friendships, which is just nothing compared to 10,000-year, 100,000-year, everlasting friendships. And we thank you for that hope, that gift, which we could never deserve. In fact, we deserve quite the opposite. We deserved your wrath. But thank you for offering us restless people, your rest, your kingdom. <laughs> Help us to see it and stop listening to the devil and start being sons and daughters of God, being really human. And let your kingdom come in our hearts. Your will be done. Your heart be broken open. Your love spread forth. And we can truly live and cross out of the wilderness and start tasting of what you have to offer us. We thank you for this. We love you. We honor you in Jesus' name. Amen.